Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Meadow Life. Meadow Life is a health and wellness brand. Um, they feature all kinds of health and wellness products. They focus mostly on supplements. They have everything from vitamin E, vitamin C, NADs, vitamin K. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Shilajit tablets. I put some in my coffee every morning to help me think a little more clearly, process things smoothly, that sort of thing. Um, but again, they they kind of focus on all across all health and wellness products. Um, their goal is to be innovative and effective, trying to help people become less stressed, uh, more energized, and live happier lives. Um, I do also recommend checking out their podcast, Meadow Life Radio. The host and owner, Matt Blackburn, does a really great job in educating listeners and, and his audience about what supplements are right for them. Um, you can find them online at meadowlife.co. That's M-I-T-O-L-I-F e.co and if you use promo code betterism you can get 15% off all of their products and there's no restrictions there um, again that's meadowlife.co promo code betterism for 15% off please go check them out they do a really great job in educating and sharing the knowledge and i think that is a lost art this day and age meadowlife.co check them out all right, hi friends, welcome to the Betterism Podcast. You know me, I'm your host, Glenn. Today we have a special guest, Casey Cavalier from The Wonder Years. He's a musician and a studio engineer, uh, producer. Casey, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thank you. Yes, good to be here. Uh, so I figured where we would start, and this is kind of where I know you from, but I figured we would kind of start with your work with The Wonder Years and your guitarist musician status and then kind of branch off from there because I know not that the wonder years have uh broken up or anything but you guys have kind of uh you know you've grown since I first started listening to you guys 10 some odd years ago um how did you guys link up you guys are local to the area the tri-state area over here which is how I kind of figured you guys found you guys with the pop punk and all that stuff um how'd you guys link up and you know how, how has the your work as a musician kind of inspired the rest of your career there right yeah so um we are uh philadelphia uh area natives uh, and we all grew up uh, outside philly suburbs and it was basically between the six of us which has uh, been the uh original lineup for the majority of the band's history um about half and half um went to high school together uh my drummer uh my bass player and I uh, all went to school together and actually uh, previous to Wonder Years played in different bands. I mean, my uh, uh, my bass player and I have been playing um, this really sets the uh, sets the tone for how long we've been at it now. Uh, 
have been playing together uh bass and guitar respectively in bands for over two decades now like we're talking we like our first band when we were like 12 years old you know and it's more just like snacking and watching movies on the weekends than it is really like writing any artistic uh brilliance or statements um so i we've been doing it uh for a while and the, so the three of us knew each other obviously and uh we uh came into uh, acquaintance with the other three, uh, my singer and um, other two guitar players uh, who went to a high school, you know, um, like the next uh, the next town over. So pretty close, but we all shared kind of a commonality in the local uh, Lansdale music scene. They were all, they were all playing in different bands as well. And that's kind of, that was kind of the catalyst for it. And, you know, um, you talk about like, uh, with it, you know, the tagline laid back learning, uh, it was a very laid back approach to the start of the band in that we, uh, we didn't see it as some, uh, you know, great expansive project that would last, you know, almost two decades into the future and keep growing. It was more of a, uh, of a lighthearted, uh, you know, spur of the moment project for fun, right? Um, just like a past the time thing, we all kind of loved a lot of punk and a lot of the pop punk stuff that was um, that was happening at you know at that time in the the mid two uh, thousands and um, as we were kind of graduating high school, and I think uh, none of us were playing in a project that was very specifically um you know targeting those kind of influences. So we had fun. Uh, we all got together wrote the bones of a song and then it came time to be like well are we gonna put vocals on it and that was that like a or b like uh which you know which path uh do we take and initially we steered hard left and said nope it's gonna be funny as hell <laughs> um <laughs> not gonna be not gonna be a serious uh, a serious thing uh and um and it wasn't for a couple years you know we were just having fun with it, writing some songs, but all very lighthearted, um, you know, almost uh, comedic minded lyrics, uh, you know, that our, that our singer was putting forward and, uh, and we were loving it. It, it helped keep the tone light, keep it fun. Right. Uh, we weren't taking yeah. ourselves or the band too seriously at that point. And it was, uh, it wasn't until we were in college, I think, you know, that, uh, that things kind of started evolving to a sense of, I'm like, man, we have like a following. We put out a, a full length of uh of songs like that that had that whole um lyrical inspired uh you know comedic storyline tinge to them and uh we were like hey we're kind of like starting to do this a lot more consistently but it's really tough and i think it was specifically our singer dan it's like it's really tough to get up and like sell an earnest performance of these songs when I can't like, um, like I can't stop laughing, but also like <laughs> not, a, there's not, there's not the same kind of conviction there. Um, when you're talking about like serial characters and, you know, uh, pirates go into the prom. So, uh, <laughs> like, well, that, well, that has its own entertainment value for sure. I think we started to kind of be like, well, maybe, you know, we start taking a tone and and kind of shifting it towards something that's a little bit more uh, resonant to us <laughs> as people yeah. in our lives, and so that was kind of the the turning point in the transitional uh, period for us, where it kind of started heading towards the wonder years that we have now evolved into um, in many ways over the last you know ten fifteen years. Yeah. How, um... 
so I mean, you know, traditionally pop punk bands tend to be, you know, three, four, five members tops. And like, usually it's a guitarist singing or something with six members. I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be tough to make decisions like that. You know, especially when you're first starting off and like you start slowly realizing that like your, 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 your brand, your, your band is starting to pick up and kind of gain some traction. How did you guys kind of come to that realization? I mean, was that a tough process trying to work that together with like six people or, or like, was it kind of just, it worked? I think we're still figuring it out in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, a good answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we've learned some things that work, some things that don't work and how to treat it and, and how to, I guess, be respectful and mindful of the process and each other um, in this kind of like family dynamic uh, that we've established that has its own uh, higher degrees of function and dysfunction at times uh, across an entire history. I mean, you spend, it's like a, it's like a six way marriage in a lot of ways. Um, yeah uh without the really really intimate bits i mean it gets intimate but in like you know not fun ways necessarily when you're just traveling and li living with the same um the same guys uh you know day after day but um I, so i think as far as uh creatively yeah that that can be a really tough thing you, you can talk about a lot of the like too many cooks in the kitchen cliche where sometimes if it's like a three-piece i'm like man three-piece you can just vote it out and nothing can <laughs> like an even 50 50 split uh which is also sometimes i'm like i almost wish we had a seventh member um you know because it would make some of these like democratic vote moments um you know help us get through them which is also uh kind of the strength for us anyway of pulling in oftentimes people in a producer capacity uh to almost act as that seventh band member that seventh opinion where it's like hey you're you're coming in as part of the team because it's not that we don't necessarily know how we, you know, to execute a vision sonically or, you know, in terms of the thing, it's like there are six lanes and with any idea, it's like uh, we were talking about this recently as we've, um, you know, well, we're always writing, but um, started writing another record and it's, you know, anytime myself or uh, Matt or Nick or my singer will bring an idea to the table, uh, the hard part for us now is that, um, and maybe uh, my singer specifically mentioned this, and, and I find it to be really true. It's that it's not, it's not that one is good and one is bad. It's not that one is better than the other, because um, I think a lot of that, especially in, in terms of creativity and art, it's very subjective, right? But uh, yeah. it's that there are three or even maybe more lanes that a song can go in and a song can go in this direction and be an incredible song. A song can also take this direction and also be an incredible song. So it more comes down to now us as a band, what we've learned is the six of us, when we get in a room and put a, put an idea through this wonder years, like weird, like blender, um, what comes out the other end is uniquely a wonder years idea and whether that makes it you know fit into a pop punk mold or push out the walls of what the you know genre conventions and tropes are uh we kind of have started to get to a point in our career where we can use that as our guide but it wasn't always easy getting there there's definitely a lot of pitfalls a lot of you know like frustrated like well i don't know what you want then um you know which are ultimately <laughs> yeah. 
you know, just communication breakdowns and, and especially to uh, writing songs, you know, whether you're a vocalist or, you know, put a lot of time and effort into something that you think you're bringing to the table is really good. There's a vulnerability there. And so I think there's a natural uh, defense mechanism when someone, you know, maybe isn't saying, even saying they like it, it's just not what they had in mind for something. Um, And Mm -hmm. learning as a group, as people, and also luckily enough as friends to get past those moments uh, in respectful ways and, and, and I mean, in terms of like teachable moments, learning to listen has probably been the way that we that we get it through. Because sometimes you're just like you're trying to force something, and you're well, why don't you like it? It's like, well, if you listen to what they said, they didn't say they didn't like it. They said it seems like it's you know X, Y, or Z, a different descriptor that is really what they're actually talking about. And then you're like, oh, I get it. You see it. You're hearing it like this. Oh, okay. That well, that's not my intent. Well, we can change that easily. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. and looking for those moments to pivot and uh, and find and find like the the compromise between some stuff and and really getting on the same page as far as communication. But yeah, it's it's not a it's not a clear cut and dry step by step thing yeah. in no way. I don't think it ever is. I think you described it really well. Is that the the six the six way marriage? You know, I I think you know, just speaking from my own experience, my own marriage, like I know learning to listen and like when to share your thoughts and your ideas and, you know, uh, provide, I guess, criticism in a way that is uh, safe and not threatening towards the other person. Like that's a skill that you have to like learn how to do. And then couple that in with, you know, six other people, not just one other person. That's, that's, that's definitely a challenge. And I think with this past year in the pandemic and COVID, like a lot of people are struggling to maintain that, that balance in certain relationships. And I know like for musicians, regardless of what, if you're solo artist or in a band, COVID has affected you guys on a whole nother level. Um, you know, aside from just the obvious of like touring and playing shows, like even just simple things like meeting up to record or to discuss, you know, the song or the new record or whatever it is, you know, there's, there's, there's speed bumps, there's obstacles in the way that, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't really have to think about. So I guess where I'm going with this is how has that affected, how has COVID in the the past year kind of affected you guys? I didn't even know you guys were recording a new album. I just saw you did the 10 year anniversary of Suburbia, which was pretty awesome. How has like producing new music and kind of trying to like link up and like record and kind of you know, continue the Wonder Years, uh, uh, you know, mastermind legend there. How how has COVID affected that process? Uh, wow. Uh, in so many ways, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can probably guess for themselves what that might do to someone who's... Uh, you know, livelihood is put into question and especially one in an industry that they've, you know, spent two decades uh, yeah. growing up in and building um, and building a business and a community around. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a scary thing. I, I think, you know, it doesn't it doesn't just take away the desire to make music. But yeah, I mean, it complicates the physical logistics of it. I mean, we tried to write a little bit, but everybody had to be masked. Obviously, you know, our singer, um, you know, it's a little different because you're constantly just like <laughs> belting nonstop. So we tried different things where, you know, 
we put him in a separate room, but then it was tough communicating and you realize how much you communicate visually, especially in the writing process. Um, yeah. you know, and we'd, we'd even have these communication breakdowns and we'd get quite frustrating too, where, you know, we would, we would stop, we'd play through an idea and, you know, we'd immediately stop, talk about it, start commenting on it. And we'd forget to put the talk back mic on. And he'd kind of just be like, uh, guys, guys, <laughs> We like, oh, sorry. And he'd miss like, you know, the first 30 seconds of what we were all like agreeing on or, or commenting on. So eventually we, you know, we said, hey, maybe there's until it's safer, maybe there's a better way to go about it. And, you know, trying to learn and adapt and toss ideas back and forth remotely. I think if for nothing else, um, you know, what you saw with a lot of musicians and a lot of, uh, you know, entertainment based performances uh everything went to digital streams and and started and was given a somewhat violent shove into learning how to kind of sink or swim with that to get to get past or just tread water right for some people or yeah. just you knew one of two of these so people don't forget about you know forget about us but um so i think that uh that provided in some ways uh an opportunity and or motivation uh for for bands to look at and i think this is always important really and, and something that's always been central to to us as people and as a band and not taking uh the opportunities we've had uh and have been given by the people that uh, appreciate our music and and the fans that have continued to support us um you know to reevaluate what in a time like this okay we can't give you that live show uh, atmosphere and that live show environment that you're used to that has been the, you know, the relationship and almost the like transactional like interaction, you know, and dynamic that a lot of people know and, and, and love about. So looking and kind of trying to even better understand what, you know, what your fan base might be cool with and, and might find valuable um, and appreciate in a time like this. So yeah, we pivoted, we started, you know, doing the streams and uh you know learn from that a little bit and and tried to you know try to reinvent what we were doing but you know for a a, a digital context but tried to still feel you know engaged so i think it it, it was a teaching moment and you I, you mentioned obviously you know as a, as a teacher and um and things like that all the challenges that it provides that you realize how much of like communication attention span all of these things that um that are these kind of intangible things you don't really it's like a sense that you don't realize how much you rely on until it's gone right you're just like um you know and uh, i think that's uh one of the big things that as a, as a band and as musicians and for me even with um with you know my studio and uh producing and working with other musicians on the side you don't realize how much uh how much quicker and in that like really uh vulnerable like trust uh context how how hard it is to build that um and keep that going uh when you're not kind of in the same room you know and, and how you have to rely on other things you have to rely on words and clarity of communication a little bit more i mean even you know a peek behind the curtain with this episode right like uh you know i, I don't know if this is typically you know maybe you just do it do it over audio um but we can see each other right now because we're actually doing this on zoom right on zoom. 
Um, and so that for you, it probably even presents a different dynamic into in it. Um, <laughs> we were talking about uh, our uh, our heritage and how both of us share a common uh, Italian ancestry. So you are seeing that firsthand, quite literally, no pun intended, because I talk with my hands. My grandmother would be so proud. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, so much so that it's, um, you know, that it's almost uh, almost silly. But you lose that uh, and you lose that emotion, that intensity, that intensity, that passion. And for me, it's like anybody that has any band that's, you know, come into the studio with me or seen us, I, obviously everybody in my band knows it's, you know, it's a joke, right? Um, if I'm really into something, A, I won't shut up about it and B, my hands are going to be the first thing to go, um, you know, out there. And it's, it's just such a, such a physical thing, but you lose that, uh, you know, when things are digital or when things are even just like, you know, over the phone or first text. So I think that for me was the biggest thing um both a challenge but also presented me with an opportunity to examine what i was doing and how i could be uh still be of assistance and service and be productive with a lot of the studio stuff i had been doing um even if i couldn't be there right um and in right. some ways it's like freeing because it opens things up where when you can figure out what you can do when you boil things down to just, you know, a zoom screen or remotely or just via audio or communicating in other languages, might it be, you know, sending uh, audio files back and forth, right? And, and sending notes on things to keep a project moving. Um, I think I strengthened that skill over the last year a lot and have come out the other side. Yeah. Now, like starting a podcast in that sense. And it finally was something that mm -hmm. I thought about for years and years and, and just was, was never, you know, was never quite able to put the time in to find the right lane for it. And this year was the catalyst where I probably still wouldn't have, you know, Put my foot down and said okay we're doing this but because the last year um and everything that i had been doing with the studio had lent itself into remote coaching and remote producing and getting a better handle on that um it you know it led to that and in the same way i think as a band it, it will make us more appreciative when we get back out on the road for sure but also uh yeah, it adapts, I'm sure, how many bands communicate. You know, a lot more people are like getting little and we preach the value of this both on the podcast and um, through like True Level Studio and our philosophy, like everything's shifting to a mobile setup. You just mentioned you moved, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're still just like being able to like do the podcast and record off your phone and things like that to keep to keep it going and keep things consistent and keep ideas um, spreading, I think is going to be so important. So it also illuminated that um you know that was still that was there it was no secret that with you know laptops penny bedroom producers nowadays or you know it's like everybody knows that but i think this last year aside from everybody's like covid opuses that i think maybe did or didn't get released right like um right. the uh you know the value of being able to do that for me i think expanded me to be like okay cool i'm you know we have the studio it's a physical location uh in philly but there's so many other people that I can connect with that are in, you know, in Budapest, in the UK, in Australia, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. and be, and be helping and serving and either teaching and, or at that same time learning from, which I know is like a, um, you know, a big pillar uh, of the show and, and the vibe that you're putting forward that I, 
wholly appreciate and, and completely back. So yeah, there's, there's been a lot out of this year. So I know that was, you know, threw a lot at you, but yeah, it's like nothing and everything has kind of transpired in the last year for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, this is why I wanted to bring it up is because it's affecting everyone on different levels. I know like for me, you know, with teaching it, that the whole piece you were talking about, like nonverbals and being able to see people versus not see people be in the room with somebody and not be in the room with somebody that adjusts and affects the way that I have to teach. Right. And it's not something that's immediately, obviously in your face, especially if you're not in education, you don't really understand how that process works. You know, I kind of like to kind of try to uh, can't talk. I like to draw the line between like live shows, right? Like when you're at a live like punk show, the vibe in the room in the venue is a lot different than if you're, you know, performing on a stream, right? Like you can read the crowd, you can kind of see when they're moshing, when they're, you know, chanting lyrics, whatever. You can't do that virtually, right? Those are, those are aspects that kind of remove themselves. Teaching's kind of the same, right? Like I, with, when I'm trying to teach kids on Zoom and they're not even turning their cameras on and all I see is like their name, like I can't tell if they're understanding what it is right. that I'm teaching, right? Or and ultimately there with you, you know, or yeah, right. or on their phone or asleep or, you know, any of the <laughs> right. you know, it's like, okay, it's like, time to throw the ruler on the desk. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Like instant, you know, stand next to the desk kind of like, Hey, you, you wake yet? You know? Uh, and it's, it's interesting because the whole reason this, first of all, the, the show was kind of betterism kind of started out um, as a blog. And then once COVID happened, I, I tried to shift it over to podcast form. It's like you said, it's kind of been something that's always on my mind. It's kind of back there. I wanted to start it. I wanted to start it. And finally COVID hit and I had a chance to kind of like, I had a little more time kind of set up the show, the background stuff, you know, but the drive behind that was more of like that opportunity that you were kind of talking about. It's like, I'm, I'm looking at this as a way to kind of better improve my communication skills. You know, I wholeheartedly, my best form of communication is writing. That's because I, I grew up doing it my whole life. You know, that's why I'm an English teacher because I'm good at it. But at the same time, you know, um, I can also see where things are going. I can see how, like you, like you mentioned, like things are becoming more mobile, more digital, where you're able to teach lessons and communicate with people on the other side of the world, right? So having a skill set of like teaching and learning in a physical room or playing a show in a physical room is a different skill set than doing it in front of a laptop, right? Yeah. So my thinking is behind the podcast is like, okay, I need to like, I need to hone these skills. I need to practice um, trying to communicate ideas without the nonverbals and try to improve those. Not that I'm trying to get rid of them, but trying to improve them. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and I can, the reason I brought it up with the band is because you, you know, that it's a lot different with one person versus six people. And I feel like there's a big challenge there. Um, and I like how you kind of, you kind of painted the picture of using the lens of making it like an opportunity, right? I, I'm a big proponent of uh, one of my favorite authors is Ryan Holiday. And, you know, he's, he's all about like stoicism and, you know, how the obstacles, the way that's one of his one of his taglines, one of his books, you know, but I think when you adapt your life's perspective to that lens, you're able to kind of see things and grow from things around you. I mean, that's ultimately the whole point of the podcast is to like, kind of like listen in, fly on the wall conversation kind of thing and see what you can take away from it. 
it sounds like what you did is you kind of like took all of these challenges that were going on with your band and then you kind of like used the tools you had the studio you know the equipment and you also created the podcast right so it's like all of these things kind of interwove and come together i mean i guess this would be a good kind of chance to transition over but um your podcast what what kind of brought you to the realm of that i know you said you had it kind of like floating around in the back of your mind this whole time and then COVID hit kind of gave you a little more time um what's what's the what's the goal the purpose of your podcast the drive behind it what are you trying to do with it right um yeah so i, I mean to to circle back to what you're kind of describing what i i think i love about the idea of what you're doing with the show uh and what i find to be a personal pillar of mine and i think what this uh this last year drew out of you know myself specifically but so many other people uh hopefully um in a positive way is the idea of a growth mindset right um looking at an obstacle and saying ah this is one reason why i'll never do this um you know and, and you know versus looking at something as okay cool this is an obstacle that uh now an opportunity to learn uh how to get through and or around this obstacle um and that's like understanding that that's the journey and having the uh you know the long-term uh approach to some things like that and, and not just like hey well if it doesn't go super smoothly right off the bat like then i guess it's not meant to be right um and i think a lot of that you know we have learned from the band uh, as well that it, you know if you had asked me when i was like 15 what i thought being in a professional band like this would look like and when you get behind the curtain it's not at all one day you just wake up and you're like man i've been in this band for 15 years this is my career i'm i guess a professional musician and like i guess i'm a professional yeah. pretty you know what i mean it's like it doesn't always feel like that when you're in it um but uh but realizing that uh you know you figure it out and, and that you define it as you go right um mm -hmm. so uh, in terms of the podcast that we started, which, um, you know, we started a show, it's called The Record Process. It's me and uh, my other two partners at True Level Studio uh, who are incredibly talented in so many areas in their own right, uh, both uh, musically from an engineering background, from an acoustics background. Uh, and I'm very lucky to be in their company. And I think they've been the catalyst for a lot of things over the last couple of years uh, in my life and outside of Wonder Years uh, that have helped me grow a ton um, and, and learn a ton about myself, what I wanted to do and just be better at, at the craft of, um, you know, writing, recording, uh, mixing, producing um, in general. And so when uh, when the pandemic hit last year and we came back, we got off the road and everything kind of closed down and isolated. The one thing that I realized I, I've been working with, um, you know, some clients, some bands from around here uh, and otherwise and, and collaborating uh, with those guys on, on um, some some fun projects. And I found that, uh, especially for independent artists, um, you know, maybe smaller artists that were still trying to get a handle on what they wanted to make musically, who, you know, what their uh, artistic identity was going to be, you know, starting to grapple with some of those questions, you know, they had just come out, made an EP, made an album, maybe just, you know, uh, put together a few songs, that there were always questions beyond that, that were kind of just like, hey, how do I like roll this out better? Or like, how do you know, how do I get yeah. anything from like the very like, um, you know, I won't say shallow, but the very like, 
short-sighted, like, I just want to get more streams, you know, I want to get more followers on Instagram and how do I do that? And, yeah. you know, and, and I, I felt like I ended up just kind of being like, all right, well, when you come back and we like finish up these mixed revisions or whatever, like I'll just do, let's just take an extra hour, sit down and we'll talk through like some strategy stuff or see how you, uh, you know, how you're viewing things and what your plans are on that end. Right. And, and trying to maybe like illuminate some things that maybe they hadn't, hadn't been on their radar radar yet, or, you know, hadn't uh, had the time to really put into perspective for themselves yet. Uh, and kind of leading them by asking almost in like a Socratic method style, uh, you know, asking them the questions, like, I'm, I'm not here to tell you do this, do this, do this. I'm here to find out, you know, and help you find out what those, you know, ask the questions that you will need to answer that will define what you're going to be and what's going to set you apart as an artist, as a band. So I realized I had been kind of carving out some time with uh, some artists like that that we'd been working with. And when the pandemic hit, we obviously had to push everything that we had uh, scheduled at the studio back and, and until we figured out a way to do it safely. And uh, that kind of posed the question for me, well, what can I keep doing in the meantime? And I realized that was part of the process that I really got a lot of personal fulfillment out of, uh, you know, um, helping and ultimately, you know, as a producer, as an engineer, uh, running a studio, you know, writing songs, collaborating, you're, you're ultimately serving other musicians and songwriters, um, you know, by helping them bring their art to fruition and, and helping them kind of cement and nail down a vision that they have, uh, or, uh, you know, help them finish conjuring up, you know, a vision that they, that they have going in their head. And, I was like, well, here's a way that I can still, you know, serve some of them, right? And, and by, okay, as it turns out, you know, having spent two decades, you know, doing this, I guess I have learned a thing or two, even though there are still days when I, yeah. you know, everybody gets, um, gets hit with that imposter syndrome kind of thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I was like, man, I guess I, I guess there is some value, uh, you know, I've had some, some good feedback, and it seems like, um, you know, some of these artists have appreciated some of the conversations that we've had. So why don't I try and take that and I can do that remotely, at least, you know, it's like, that's pretty much just having a conversation. Uh, I can do that over zoom. Um, so I kind of put out, yeah. put out the feeler of that and it, you know, one or two people had actually reached out randomly anyway, asking about, you know, something in that capacity, but they weren't even really sure what they were looking for. And I kind of said, well, it seems like you're almost looking for some sort of like, mentor uh like you know artist development relationship um kind of you know kind of consulting thing uh and it was with the first few of them that i kind of started um you know sketching out what that might look like and i think now it's built into a thing where you know we started offering kind of artist development coaching but it 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 wears and, and it and it really veers from from every person and every artist. They're all at varying stages of their thought process, their artistry, their skill sets. So it's kind of taking a look at, at their goals, where they want to go. And sometimes that, you know, it's something as simple as just writing down like your short term and long term goals like people, you know, they haven't even like that's a, such an important step that it, yeah. it wasn't until we started working with like some people that um, you know, who are like our booking agent, um, you know, some, some people that have managed some people, um, you know, at our record label who started being like, well, okay, so where do you like, what, what bands do you envision yourself? You know, what are your like dream lists? What are your, this? And, and, and putting it in perspective, it seems like such an easy question, but that starts help 
helping you define your identity as where you see yourself fitting in to all of this right. as a band and as an artist. And um, so that's kind of part of, you know, what with the coaching that we set out to do um, and that I set out to do is, is give that like kind of one-on-one -on -one time, realizing that it's not until you really start to understand a person's scenario, their strengths, their weaknesses, their situations, what actual like hurdles and, and barriers they're encountering that you can actually be fully like, hey, this is pretty reminiscent of, you know, this life experience I've had, or I've seen this, this, and this, you know, kind of work, um, you know, in tandem with that scenario or, or give them some, you know, some food for thought or, or a different perspective on it. Right. Um, and, you know, that, that's also a really important thing that I realized I was like, I don't have to have all the answers. I think for me, I was like, well, why should I be the authority on anything? Right. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I realized I was like, Hey, I am just a person coming from an honest place that I just want to, to see in these other musicians and other bands, what I have felt and been given by other people that I looked up to early on in the process, right? Whether it was other bands that took us out on the road, you know, gave us some, some candid advice or learned how to be respectful uh, of other bands, producers that, you know, brought us into, you know, their realm of expertise and said, Hey, this is where you can be better. Like, and right. you never know that the bar was that much higher until you, until you encounter that. Um, and round and round we go. So, uh, anyway, like that was all this, you know, this process that, you know, it, throughout the course of a year kind of built to the idea that, man, a, I love talking. That's probably apparent to your listeners already. Uh, yeah. and B, uh, you know, so the, uh, an outlet for that, that's kind of, uh, I realized I was like, man, you get me going, you get, some coffee in me that's my medium of choice you know and so yeah. it kind of i kind of um realized i was like oh it's always been there i just needed to like focus it and know what i needed you know to talk about and discuss right. um and have the intent um instead of just rambling on and on and uh and so that's that's where it kind of entered the podcast where i was like well what if we put it and structured it in a show where the scope is everything that goes into making a record um because that's what we do that's what we love and that's uh you know ultimately as musicians and as you know producers engineers um any part of the process that's that's what we love we just maybe you know some people specialize at certain certain areas and angles of it and have you know detailed expertise but um you know spending so much time on both sides of the glass now as both the artist performer um songwriter and then you know the producer who is trying to take an unbiased you know approach to really amplify the idea um and and translate it uh i said i was like well what if that's the scope and that gives us a vehicle to put forward our insights, our anecdotes, and the lessons that we've been learning uh, while making music, both in, you know, in all of the projects that we've undertaken, but also through um, you know, the artists and, and clients that we've had the pleasure of working with, uh, as well as all the, the knowledge that's been bestowed upon us by people you know, that have made us want to be better, right? Um, whether it comes down to your favorite book or you know, for us, it was like favorite producers, favorite mix engineers, favorite guitar players, right? Um, and so in that way, we're taking like an episode by episode journey through um, a lot of those different stages and talking about uh, the considerations and, and trying to ultimately make it a, you know, 
we hope and I, and I and I would love to, you know, see it. We'll see where the show goes. It's kind of you know, trying to not hold it too tightly. And and that's also a thing you learn is, you know, letting just getting started and letting things kind of take shape based on the feedback and, and what people want. Maybe people say, hey, this is great, but can you just like make it shorter or you know what I mean? Like whatever it is. And it's yeah, like, right. cool. well, if it's going to be more valuable that way, like maybe that is a good idea because, again, you know, having the guide be we want it to be fun entertaining but hopefully every anybody that's listening gets something out of it in the same way that i have been consuming a ton of podcasts and some of my favorites i realized what they give me when i listen to them whether it's hey this this one always like inspires and invigorates me on a morning walk right or this one always gives me like the really like nitty-gritty substantive like hard science like tech stuff that i'm like oh man that's like okay that's how that works i love that you know um and to better understand these things and then sometimes it's as simple as this gives me the news real quick in 10 minutes right um um and i and i need that for efficiency's sake uh so uh, for us the record process is was you know uh an extension of that whole year and the last couple years but also our our entire career as musicians where we kind of look at hey we want to pull other artists young old other musicians other producers engineers into the conversation because there's not just one way just like there's not just one lane for a song to go um and we want to kind of make it a you know uh a community where we, you know, are, are having different guests on that can relate and, and bring knowledge, but I mean, even to us, um, but as well as our listeners, um, in what they do and what, what, how they approach making all of those decisions. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun tracking thus far. And, uh, so we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, ultimately, you know, that's, that's why I want, that's why I reached out to you. This is why I wanted to have you on the show is because of the attitude that you're you're approaching this with, right? I come from the belief of the best way to learn something is to teach something, right? So not only are you trying to share your wisdom and the knowledge and the content you've picked up over the past 10, 15 years of being in the industry, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're still learning how to do the coaching side of that, the podcast side of that. You're picking up little pieces of it as you go, which is ultimately improving your craft, right? Yeah. It's coming full circle back around. And that's, again, this is, that's the whole point of this show is like trying to understand that the best way to do something, the best way to absorb something, become better at it is to turn around and to teach it. Um, if you look back at some of the other episodes, you know, I've had musicians on here. I'm very biased. So a lot of them are authors and writers, but I've had musicians on here, um, pop punk artists, rappers, um, even like spoken word poet artists. Right. Um, and a lot of the things that they mention are the, like you were talking about with your podcast is like the, the nitty gritty stuff when it comes to anything that could be from, you know, amassing more followers, more views to like how to record something better, how to get better auto, uh, audio quality. Right. Um, and I think, you know, having an outlet to not only teach those things, but to also start discussions and have a community that's willing to kind of like share and explore those topics as well that's ultimately what makes people better at whatever it is they're they're building right whether it's a band um a book a movie whatever it is the way to do it is to kind of like immerse yourself in the community uh put yourself in an uncomfortable situation where you might not know everything but 
it's okay that you don't know everything. You're, you're allowed to like be ignorant as long as you're trying to learn, right? As long as you're trying to fill that gap, you're trying to like remove the ignorance to kind of gain the knowledge. Um, right. You know, I always kind of see things too, like speaking of the Socratic circles from that lens of Socrates of, you know, true knowledge is knowing that you're, you're not done. You're, you're not done learning. Like you think you know things, but there's, there's so many more layers to it, right? I mean, you've even said it yourself with like working with, you know, uh, engineers, producers in the studio. I mean, I, I imagine when you guys first started, you didn't have any of those resources, right? You're kind of like found your way, you built your way into it. Um, yeah. How has those shifts and, you know, I, I don't expect you to name all of them, but how has any of those shifts kind of like stood out in your, in your, producer content as far as building the podcast or even even with the band with wonder years you know like i i'm a huge fan that's not why i wanted to get you on i mean that's a little bit of why i wanted to have you on but you know i have witnessed you guys change your sound from and not i don't want to say like overly change your sound but like i've witnessed that that beginning piece you were talking about the like comedy a little bit and then you kind of evolved into like the more serious tones i'm looking forward to the next album and things but how has that process of like you know, stage one, stage two, stage three, whatever you want to call it, step one, step two, step three. How has that affected you as an artist um, and your work ultimately within the realm of audio and studio yeah. and podcasting? Um, yeah, you're totally never done. And I think that was a huge milestone for me when I kind of started embodying that um, you know, that mindset and really believing that, right? I think it was something I'd heard and, you know, something it's just like, oh, it's something people say, it's something, you know, you know, that a lot of like is in books and what and whatnot. But um, it wasn't until I started distancing when I was younger, I was I was very much a perfectionist. Um, my mother will will tell you stories probably about how I would be distraught and so upset. Um, you know, the night before I had a project in school that didn't matter, that probably amounted to like popsicle chasing glue. And I was like, it's not perfect. Like, um, it's ruined, you know, like, uh, and what she must have thought to be like, oh my God, how do I look? <laughs> I can't just tell him that none of this matters right now, but like, you know, um, but I was, I was so, you know, dedicated on like holding it so tightly and having it be every little corner be so well-rounded. Uh, and I think that followed me through a lot, like um, through high school and even with, you know, early songwriting and, and trying to like um, define things so, so perfectly and get it right. So right. The, you know, the first time that what I realized is even, you know, as Wonder Years started going and, you know, into my mid twenties, I had a lot of material, uh, you know, stuff that was like demos that really just never, I, I didn't, you don't realize it at the time because you start putting it off, but it never sees the light of day because you're like, ah, it's not ready yet. And that's such an easy and comforting thing to say to be like, well, I don't have to show it to people until it's ready, right? Um, and I've learned a couple things about that and how specifically in all areas, actually, from wonder years to working um, in a studio capacity and, you know, producing other acts and, you know, recording, mixing, whatever it might be. Um, and even till now, you know, the podcast being a perfect, um, you know, very current example, you know, it's in its infancy. Um, that when I finally realized I was like, oh, uh, 
I don't have to be like everybody makes mistakes, right? But it, things like Instagram and like very calculated television and media would tell you otherwise, right? Um, and to say, hey, you know what's actually, you know, maybe even more because um, the the whole idea of art, I guess, is to resonate with people um, and to elicit, a, you know, a reaction from from an audience. And I was like, man, like mistakes are actually what everybody like understands right um yeah. and uh and where everybody actually learns the most from because if you never make the mistake it'll never get stored the same way in your brain uh as mm -hmm. if someone's just like hey don't you know classic like hey someone's like you know a parent tells you don't do this like whatever you're just like well then i feel like there's this like subconscious thing deep down inside that you're almost just like i feel like i gotta do it to like try to prove them wrong that you know or or just like yeah. see for myself kind of mentality um but then you make the mistake and you're like ah wow they were really right they were even more right than I <laughs> now i get it right yeah it's you know um and that's just what you know one analogy but um so i think somewhere you know in my late uh in my late 20s you know not not like too long ago i started finally you know setting out with the goal in a lot of these things to be like hey Put yourself out there because you're never going to have things, um, you know, start coming to you and have uh, having, I guess, in, in some ways, you know, the universe bring you uh, like other people or interactions that you're going to grow from that you need to f to fully like realize where you're going with something until you start putting an idea out there. And what I realized, I think maybe one of the central themes uh, of the last couple of years for me is the idea of getting, you know, feedback earlier in the process um than i ever did before right um and this is something that even having um you know people like tom and adam at the studio someone to bounce something off of i can like write an idea really quickly or like do a quick rough mix on something and send it out and be like yo like what do you think and be like ah honestly sounds great a little bit less at two at 200 hertz you know and then you're and then you're good to go and be like that's instant but i might have like 10 years ago i would have sat there for days and days tweaking and mixing myself editing myself writing myself in and then back out and then in again and then back out again of a, of a good song um without ever letting it go uh or getting any feedback so i it's comes down to like a trying to not waste time and not be afraid and wanting to go out and just put something out there and be like Oh, cool. Now I'm aware of this mistake because somebody has showed showed it to me, right? Um, now I've published yeah. a thing, made a typo, somebody called me on it, and I'll be like, cool, I'm not gonna spell that word wrong again because now I know <laughs> how it's spelled. Great. Um yep. and uh and I, I think that was for me like the journey that um you know has parallels throughout everything I've done and recently have found a really great space. For myself both creatively and from an entrepreneurial sense where hey with this podcast i'm just like you know what i just want to get it out there because i want the words and what we're talking about i want people to hear it and understand it we can conceptualize it sit here go back and forth about the artwork and like where it's going to be and how it, you know we're going to present it and all this it's like but at the end of the day for something like this it's the conversation and the words that are ultimately going to reach people so that's why i was right. like you know what we'll figure the rest out as we go if there's something there, we'll know that there's something there in like the core, just like, you know, if it's a good song, even if it's a 
awful recording or like a bad band playing a really good song you'll still know it's like that's a good song that band is terrible though you know what i mean like and then be like okay cool that band has to practice right like the individual players have to get better um but the song is great and has potential and so in a lot of ways you know i think that's for me being like uh you know to conceptualize the podcast and and get it together and and really like start to visualize and have an idea to be like cool and also, thankfully, we live in an era where, you know, the, a lot of tools are very easily at your disposal, already had a setup where I was like, cool, I just throw the mic in front of me and well, let's figure out how to record the audio like and, and sew it together. Um, you know, the barriers to entry in that regard are not uh, are are not great these days anyway. But more importantly than anything, I was less afraid of putting a mic in front of me and more just like, hey, let me just kind of word vomit on this and I'll start to learn how to focus my energy and my ideas and, and what we want to say and the message. Right. Um, and, and learn right. to go. Yeah. I like that. You know, that, that concept of, um, having a team has come up on the podcast a lot and not necessarily like a team of close knit people, but, uh, more so like having people to kind of support you along that, that growth along that progress. Um, whether it is bandmates or, you know, in the case of writing a book, you usually have like beta readers, right? The, right. They'll give you some feedback. Like this chapter doesn't make any sense. Um, having people to kind of bounce those ideas off of in a, in a setting that's not immediately public, right? Like you don't want to be on stage, like playing a song and messing up the chords. Like you kind of want to have those worked out beforehand, you know, and this day and age with things like you said, like Instagram and, and TV and, you know, TikTok, all of these things make it seem like people come out perfect, but like, it doesn't show you how many times they recorded that video before they posted it, right. you know? And ultimately I think that, um, understanding that is, a, it's a boundary that you need to over as an artist, you need to overcome that boundary and understand that there is that practice piece, whether or not you choose to do it in public is up to you. Personally, I find benefit doing it publicly because people will call you out like that. You know, right. I, I think that once you understand that, that boundary exists, you can kind of start playing with it. You can kind of go back and forth like, all right, well, you know, this song's going to be on the record. I don't want to practice this with the band, you know, or without the band on my own. I want to practice with the band. I want to make sure it's perfect before we go perform it live versus like, all right, I'm in the studio. I came up with this riff. I'm going to bounce it off, you know, the bass player, the drummer, whatever, see if they can vibe with it. And then we'll kind of build off of it from there. Um, as an artist, that's why I love podcasting because podcasting is, it's laid back, right? Like you can have these conversations. Like I, how many times did I, you know, mispronounce my words just now, you know, I'm even on four coffees deep. Like I'm also still like word vomiting, like you said, whereas like if I'm writing a book or I'm doing like a Ted talk or like I'm teaching a class, you know, like I kind of want to have those, those things worked out before I actually do those things. Cause that's more of like a finalized product you know what i'm saying yeah um, i mean well and i think it's important to ha it, it's important to surround yourself with people who understand that as an artist totally i th i um and to your point uh about working it out um i, I think the perfect example, a really good example that's come up in um, a couple podcasts that I listen to, but just in, in general conversation, and I've always kind of believed this having uh, some friends that have uh, been in this arena and the parallels it draws. Um, I feel like stand up comedians are kind of 
the best uh, example of yeah. doing this because all the great ones you don't realize. And we, you know, I, I think uh, when we were, um, I guess when we were doing one of our first records, uh, or maybe we were playing um, the House of Blues on Sunset, and it's like right across from I think the Laugh Factory, like a you know pretty famous comedy mm. club. And I think yeah. somebody was playing, and we went over there, um, and uh, Jeff Ross, uh, well, it was just you know like what like wandered up on stage, like uh, like was like an unannounced thing, right? When and that's what you realize that this culture is kind of like this like DIY, like no, doesn't matter how big or how small, some of these guys will just hang out at these clubs and hop up on and basically just workshop their material. They have like a running yeah. list of like their new special, whatever. It's like, and a lot of these guys also like then go on to do sitcoms, have their own shows, like their own specials. And what you realize is they're doing what in that business is called writing on stage. So they are taking an idea, test throwing it out. Oh, the audience bit. Okay. They, you like that one. And they will start to riff off of it. And maybe it wasn't even something that was on. I mean, Jeff Ross literally just reads like got up there. Like you're talking about laid back, like, all right, I'm going to read you some jokes. All right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, did not even trying yeah. to pretend he was doing stand up. He was literally just like behind the curtain. He's like, all right, you guys are my fucking guinea pigs right now. Um, you know, like, um, but everybody was like there, you know, it's like he was, the, you know, like uh, a familiar face. So everybody was like, OK, cool. Let me this is this is really neat. Like we're getting a behind the scenes right. look at him workshopping material right now. Um, yeah. And they love that authenticity. Even if a joke bombed, he would make a joke out of the joke bombing. He's like, well, that's not making the special uh, you know what i mean like um, <laughs> yeah it's like you know um and and it was a whole bit and they you see them thinking in real time and then maybe what they take away from that is not one of the bullet points or one of the jokes that was on the page but a joke that came because of the reaction to a joke that they said uh that they thought of and then they'll just be like jot that down you know like microphone yeah. got it you know and i'll remember that later and and then and i think that's such a really cool thing and you can see um you know i mean we talk about like the improvisational elements of like of certain styles like I, we get into this conversation about how jazz music does the same thing where it's like a lot of those mm -hmm. that was an entire genre that was forged out of literally writing on stage improv and reacting not only to like the audience and stretching they're like yo they're loving it they're dancing we're going to stretch this this section out we're going to keep vamping yeah. right i'm going to keep rolling or you know the whole band listening to each other um you know and playing off of each other right so it's like whoever so like the soloist throw out like a little riff gets you know stuck on this little mo like looping motif thing and then the drummer will start catching it in the accents in the snare and then the bass player and before you know it it's a it's a building bit that's like right and it and it all started from the soloist just starting you know it's like and, and that's such a perfect example of something that came out of nowhere in thin air and then was just made a moment and it's because they weren't afraid to make a mistake right because they're not yeah. afraid to get up there without any rules or out any you know guardrails and that's that's a learned skill for sure like i i remember being in a high school band and like playing shows and i you know i was a kid so i, I couldn't recognize this at the time but i remember like you know, you'd, you'd, you'd have a set, you think on paper it would look good. You know, you throw in some cover songs or whatever. And like, you know, they love the Blink-182 cover, damn it. But then you go to throw in like, like 
you know, some, some old school, like AFI song that just didn't vibe with them. Right. And you kind of feel like, all right, they reacted to the one song, the other song that they, they kind of like shut you down. And as a, as an artist, especially a young artist, like you kind of like, you kind of think it's, it's you, not necessarily the set list. Right. So I think over time, I mean, you could, I'm sure you could speak to this over time. You start to be able to like read the crowd, right. Like just like the comedians do and being able to like jive with it, like in live time, that's not something that you're going to immediately be able to pick up. But the more you practice that of like practicing in public, like you can kind of adjust your writing accordingly like the back end stuff kind of comes secondary to that front end stuff. Um, and I think, like you said, like people have this natural ability to kind of recognize like failures and mistakes in person, right? Even if they can't express it. Like that thing with Jeff Ross, like you were saying, I, to me, that's like, all right, he, he understood what it meant. Of course, he's an expert in his realm. You know, he's been doing it for decades, but he learned how to practice in public, how to like right. bomb a joke and then still say, okay, well, cross that off. I'm going to the next one. You right, know? not afraid and to I think as an artist, yeah. yeah, right. Like not not afraid to stand up there and like fail in front of people. Yeah. That's not something that you're just gonna like, you know, automatically pick up. Like it's one thing to fail on your own in your room, you're writing a book and you realize like, oh man, this, this chapter fucking sucks, <laughs> right? But to do that in front of other people, have other people call you out um, either verbally or non-verbally, and to recognize that and adjust to it in live time, that's a skill set that takes practice. Um, and I think nowadays, with like you said, with the, you know, the bedroom studio artists who are kind of just layering samples, and I'm not knocking it because you know that that's a whole genre. Like I I respect it because that takes another skill set. But that attitude of like figuring out what learns and uh, what works and what doesn't in live time is kind of lost in that translation. Right. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that bedroom producer style. Right. But at the same time, it's not the same thing as like performing live and like bombing in front of people. Right. Like that's it. Those are two different skills that require their own skill sets, their own drives. But in order to succeed as an artist this day and age, you kind of need to have both. You know? Yeah. Well, and and they will uh, like the I guess the bedroom uh production genre that you're maybe speaking of it's like they will at some point learn where if they have success and their music has success you know at some point somebody's going to be like you got to put this into a live thing and conceptualize it and they'll be like oh shit yeah right yeah. i don't have like i'm gonna track i don't have I'm gonna a, track six drums. a light wall you know and pyro right. uh i haven't really thought how what i'll do on stage with all of this right or how to make it interesting so they they will learn and they will come in the process and what the visual representation and medium of it is and maybe they will falter or maybe they will bring other be smart enough to know that they don't know it all and bring someone else in and like rush to like be like yes. yo i need help right um uh what do i do with this um give me some ideas i think um you know also uh in terms of uh in terms of figuring it out uh, on stage and not being not being afraid to bomb um I mean, I love, I had a, I had a band director who, and I, I always, um, I always think about this, right. Uh, in a recent podcast episode, I think we called it, uh, owning your trash, um, where it's like, you're doing something with conviction and so much conviction, even if it's terrible, 
and you find that outlet, right? It's like, at least you were like fully committed to the bit, right? Even if it's a bad bit, you know, like, um, and I think there's something really good about that because you have to, it just like an athlete, it's like, you don't reach that pinnacle level until you really put enough to the, you know, to the point where you're like teetering on the edge of like, you know, like immortal failure, right? Like, and mm-hmm. in the same way, um, in the same way of that, and, you know, and, and just like owning it and having this conviction, even if you don't know what you're doing, which is so many of like, uh, like the artists and new, like younger generation, especially like influencers turned musicians turned what, you know, whatever. It's like, some of them, you're just like this, why? And then you're just like, because they're, already like they're in the influencer mindset where they're able to just go and put whatever out and so many other people that are really talented and creative but are really reserved and whatever that it takes them way longer to get to this place where they can just like be upfront and in your face about it so i think that's a lot of the really interesting crossover there is you know they're building Mm -hmm. one skill set way before the other artistic skill set and you know and then they're like well then the music will come later but the skill set of just messing up on stage and not being afraid to make mistakes that's what they've already been refining that part of the process mm-hmm. um our band director uh, you know in high school would always say listen if you're going to make a mistake own your mistake right he's just like don't play hesitantly he's like if you make a mistake or play a wrong note i want to hear it because if i hear you play the wrong note then i know that you're trying and i know that you're committing but if i don't hear it and i'm just like i can't hear what you're playing then i know you're playing with hesitance and you're never gonna fully like hit that high note if you don't lean all the way into it i'd rather Mm -hmm. his his whole thing was he's like listen I don't care if we're at a competition in pop playing in public, whatever. He's like, I'd rather you go for that high note and completely muff it than not shoot for it and just be afraid of, you know, like reaching for it. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of what it is. And if you can get to that point, that's how, like, that's how you get these trumpet players that can play outrageously high because they condition themselves to be like, I'm not afraid to go for it, you know? Um, And uh, so I always kind of love that. And that's why I say it's like, even in the studio, I'm just like, dude, just, you gotta lean into it. Stand up, get the guitar on and just own this riff. Don't let the riff own you, you know? Um, and sometimes that's what makes the difference when you're playing it and you're not afraid of like having a little string squeak or a little pop, or sometimes there's so much stuff when you're under the microscope. Um, and if you can kind of just distance all of that stuff and just go for it and not be you know, afraid of all the little per- perfect little nuances, you get this like yeah. soul, um, you know, and, and emotive quality that I think really translates and is, is kind of at the, at the forefront. It's of all, all about the, the authenticity, man, that, that comes up on the show a lot too. People, people are able to recognize that and respect it, even if they can't express it, they, they definitely pick up on it. I know like when I go see a show back when concerts were a thing, <laughs> uh, I know like I would recognize you know, seeing a show, watching a band perform live who like absolutely crushed it, sound exactly like they did on the, on the, you know, on the record itself versus the band who like sounds totally different. It was all like the after effects because they don't have that or they maybe they didn't dedicate enough time to that practicing piece, the, the, the not afraid to failure, the, the owning your trash. I love that phrase, by the way. <laughs> um, you can always tell like, and you know, music is one example, but you can tell um, people who are hesitant to kind of share that, share that drive um, when they're performing. Um, of course, that's different with things like 
podcasting, right? Because like we were talking about, it's a little more laid back and stuff, but that authentic, uh, the authentic, can't talk. This is why I love the podcasting. The authenticity stands out. People can recognize that um, either verbally or non-verbally. You know, it's, it's a little harder to track non-verbally, but it's recognizable. I mean, like bo- bodily gestures, right? Like when you're on stage, you're kind of like, like I always picture like the bass player kind of like standing in the corner versus the bass player is like absolutely rocking it, you know, bouncing right. off the drum kit or whatever. Right. Like you can tell, like, he's not afraid to mess up. He's going to miss a chord. He doesn't care. The, the fans won't care because they, they can see he's having a good time on stage. You know, those kinds of layovers transcend well beyond music. But I think it's important to recognize that like we all have that, that ability, that skill set. It's in there. You just got to learn how to master it on your own because everyone's is different. Right there. (laughs) Yeah. And just, and showing that conviction and showing no one's going to believe in what you're doing, whatever it is, unless they think you believe in it. You know what I mean? And that's that's the owning your trash. That's what you're talking about on stage is I think a lot of people listen with, um, we just, we just touched on this in a, in an episode as well. A lot of people, I think, listen with their eyes before they even hear the song or the full fleshed out idea. So when you're at a live show, especially if the, venue is shit the front of house guys you know not good or whatever it's like the first things you start to see and your first impression of a band that you've never heard before is the energy visually you see on stage and then how you see the crowd around you reacting to it so we always talked about that when we were younger going up like opening up on tours opening up shows we were like hey we have to put 110 percent of ourselves out there because nobody knows us so we have to do our best we get 30 minutes to walk off that stage and just being like hey Ben sounded terrible they're going for it you know like something (laughs) anything grasping it like leave them remembering any one thing about it it's like hey that was the band where the guitar player myself fell off stage mid-set you know what I mean it's like that's not necessarily what you want them to take away but hey it's a moment you know it happens happens. um and and nowadays if it's like enough for someone to be like i guess i'll google this band later you know like that's all you can hope for if you're a really young band nobody knows you um and then sure the rest of it the performance and stuff like that but especially for us too realizing that like there's so much cover of like sound uh, in just like general audible noise that it's like it's like if you're a singer, it's like you're never going to hit the high note if you don't really go for it and miss the high note. Our singer has yeah. lost his voice plenty of times and has tried and has that just like I've gone for it and completely muffed or botched intros or isolated guitar things where I'm the only one playing. And now I don't care. And it's that relaxed calm that makes you even in podcasting. And this is kind of what I've realized thus far with our experience of it is that it's actually not being afraid of it that unlocks that uh that component where you start to think more clearly the nerves go mm-hmm. away and, and your pacing and temperament uh start to even out whereas if you're afraid of like saying the wrong thing you know mispronouncing a name or whatever i, I think that that holds you back and that that little bit of subtle that subtle undercurrent of anxiety will always be there as like this like unspoken like invisible restrictor plate but the second you're like honestly don't care uh then it's this incredibly freeing thing so getting to that point it's not saying that like messing up isn't going to make you feel bad you know of course you're gonna but then the sooner you can like do the writing on stage jeff ross laugh it on me like well that bombed you know like and then all of a sudden you're still into it i think that's one of the things especially having messed up plenty of times on stage it's like if you mess up in song one 
if you're a drummer, you drop a stick and it train wrecks, you still have to play an entire set. So you gotta <laughs> yeah, right. learn how to get yourself just back in the groove and in that mindset immediately. And it's recovery, mm -hmm. which we talk about this, and this is what I think is incredible when I see drummers like that drop a stick or break a head or whatever and recover. And our drummer, Michael, is incredible at this uh, as a guy who puts everything he has, um, you know, body and soul into his kit and playing. And that sometimes has pretty uh, aggressive implications. <laughs> um, and uh, and I just watching him like how playing like half a verse like re, you know like whatever getting another stick below. or like or like doing this and like keeping it going while adjusting like you know something in the mid thing it's like they become recovery experts because when you practice by doing something you realize you're just like well i can't just like if we were at a rehearsal i would stop and that's why it's like when we're playing at a rehearsal he doesn't stop he just like he doesn't be like hey guys wait i dropped a stick hold on it's like you you know figure out and be like okay whatever yeah. I'm going to, I have, I have roughly like four and a half seconds before this chorus drops. That's when I really am going to need this stick. So I'll take my time <laughs> and, and center and be right back in. And I, I think that's, you know, a perfect. You're almost like it's, you know, you're practicing failing, right? Like it's, that's yeah. one of those things is that, you know, I, I grew up playing ice hockey and that was one of the biggest things where my coaches drove me is like practice the way you want to play. If you mess up in practice, like get back into play. So you, when you do that in the game, you're not, you're not hesitant. You're not being afraid of that, like judgmental from the, the audience or the other team or whatever. You're just, you're, you're, you're practicing that motion of getting right back into it. Right. And I got to say, like, I've seen, I've seen you guys, I don't even hundreds of times, you guys put on one of the best live performances I've ever seen out of any of the, I mean, I've been to thousands of shows in my life and there's never been a show where I've been seen you guys and not like been into it. Like, even if the other bands were just kind of like not feeling the vibe, you guys would still come on stage and like have that, have that energy, that, that confidence to like, all right, you know, everyone else kind of like is not into it, but we're, we're going to drive, we're going to pile through this uh, and like somehow just bring the crowd back into it. Um, and I think that's something that, that attitude that you definitely have, but I can see like, I don't, I don't know if it came from the band or the, the band got it from you, but like, I can see that when you guys are performing, I can hear that when I listen to your records, you know, of course, <laughs> pre-recording, there's a little bit more of that perfection attitude towards it. But at the same time, you can tell like the way you guys practice does come through. And again, people can, people can pick up on that, even if they can't express it or even recognize that's what it is they're doing visually, auditorially, whatever it is, they're, they're able to pick up on that, that confidence, that authenticity, it, it does shine through. And I think any artist, any performing artist, especially, you know, once you overcome that obstacle or recognize that obstacles there, you kind of set yourself free. Like you said, you, you kind of set yourself up to say, okay, I'm going to just kind of keep, I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep going in that direction. Um, and that's beautiful. You know, and again, that, that's the main reason I wanted to have you on the show is because I see that in your work. Um, plus, you know, the podcasting, the studio, the local boys got to support the, uh, the jersey it's coming yeah. out uh, thank you um for sure i think this would be a good time i think it's been about an hour this would be a kind of transition over to those uh rapid fire questions do you want to head yes over that? please bring it on and, and before we do i want to say thank you that was a lot of kind words packed into uh, a very tiny space there um and it's not uh it's not lost on us yeah it's i i in no way take uh uh, 
any kind of full credit for that uh, ethos or approach. I think it's definitely derived and a product of, you know, the band and collective, um, you know, mentality as a whole that uh, very lucky to be a part of and definitely shapes the way I, I go out into the world and, and approach a lot of other things creatively for sure. So, um, but thank you either way. Yeah. It's, it's nice to, it's nice to hear that that uh that that translates comes through yeah that's awesome but uh yes fire away uh please with the questions so i you know i call these rapid fire questions your answers don't have to be rapid um they can be if you want to it's very laid back but anyway uh so the first question is what book are you currently reading and would you recommend it that can be taken lightly it doesn't have to be a book i mean documentary podcast whatever basically what are you consuming right now Yes. Um, well, in terms of, so not actually currently reading anything specifically yet. Um, although the last thing, I mean, I guess it's a, a book. Um, I was interestingly enough reading a, a book by a, a pretty, uh, well-known mix engineer named Billy Decker. He's like a Nashville guy. He's, if you've listened to like country or country pop stuff, you've heard tons of his work. Um, but he just put out an interesting book on, you know, talking about his like mixing template process and the way he lines some stuff up. So it was more of like a technical thing where a lot of like, it, you know, it would boil down very nicely into, you know, YouTube, like how to mix video series. I'm sure a lot of, you know, kids and aspiring bedroom producers would get a lot out of it. But I, I took it because I think that, you know, hit the way he views it from a um you know from a philosophy standpoint was really interesting um and uh always interested in like you said in learning even if though i have my own thoughts and, and ways of approaching things there's always something that you're like hey this is actually interesting it might save me some time or you know whatever um so i'm always learning in that way and always kind of you know delving deeper and trying to you know reach out to other professionals and see what they're doing and and hear what they're doing so when i have the free time uh there's always something like that in my queue for sure whether it's a book uh or a, you know an interesting video or the youtube you know rabbit hole <laughs> um yeah. you know. but um but beyond that uh i i will say so like i mentioned uh i've been for quite some time now really relying heavily on a a pretty large uh canon of podcasts and one specifically just based on what we've been talking about comes to mind that i will shout out and i i love it I, i'm wondering if you're probably familiar with it as well uh it's um it's called the creative pep talk podcast um by uh uh by annie j pizza and it's so good. Uh, it's so amazing and just the way i mean so he's got he has some great guests that come on but it's just a, such a broad overarching look at creativity and philosophies that go into it as a whole and i think he puts forth some really incredible lessons that i love hearing and enjoy hearing uh, as someone who is in no way a, a skilled illustrator uh, or, you know, visual artist in that way, um, you know, and uh, him being, you know, uh, primarily an illustrator, uh, the host of the show. And uh, but the way they talk about it, I think it draws so much um, incredibly inspirational parallels to everything, whether you're an author, an illustrator, into film, you know, if visual stuff is your thing, fashion, like um, music, and uh, I've been getting a lot out of that. And that's definitely been a really, 
really big catalyst over the last year or two uh, for myself and probably, you know, the journey that has in some ways led me to uh, this new podcasting as well. Um, so I would recommend, you know, people check that out if you're looking for, you know, a long form podcast, or, you know, as a creative um, in any way. Uh, I love that. So I've been, you know, I learned from that, but also more than really learning, I think it's, it's something that I can rely on as a show to turn on and, you know, find something in that reinvigorates me. Cause I think that's also sometimes really tough is, you know, yeah. even the best creatives are just, you know, have time where they're just like, yeah, I know, but like, it's feeling so arduous. I'm not getting a ton of feedback and, or, you know, whatever, uh, right now. And I feel like I will consistently just, you know, throw on an episode and just be like, man, now I just have like, I see, I feel the gears turning and just see like, I just want to grab a piece of paper or want to get like my phone and start taking like voice notes. Um, and I love that. And I think that spirit and that energy is also part of what I'm hoping. I mean, in a perfect world, you know, it's like, what is the measure of success for us? We, you know, with the record process, I would love, even if it's just, you know, for one person to, you know, get that, um, get that feeling out of, uh, you know, hearing um us chop it up <laughs> for an hour or so about uh yeah. about making records and and all the stuff that it entails um just to be like man you know i i want to go back and finish this song or i want to take this approach to this or man i'm gonna like think about it like this and i'm gonna re-attack that thing that you know th that i haven't finished for months right um i would love that so that that was also um you know in that way that you know that podcast creative pep talk i think is is huge and probably I, he probably is doing a lot of other stuff in terms of blogs and other things but he's a he's a great creative yeah he has a he has a very stuff. wide network yeah i do love that podcast though for that reason it, it definitely like for me there's a lot of layovers where like might not be necessarily talking about specifically like my art but you can kind of take pieces of it and apply it to your art totally whether it's music comedy movies whatever it is you know and i think that's that's important i mean ultimately that's what i'm trying to do here with betterism not necessarily in a creative way although my brain tends to lean that way but trying to just inspire people to kind of attack their passions in a way that makes them feel manageable rather than keeping it as a as a side thing like you know your 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 creative outlets need to be part of your life that's why they're there that's why they keep nagging you at the back of your brain it's like they need to be part of that and having the inspiration behind those things is pretty important so Listeners, I definitely recommend that show. Create a pep talk. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> shout out. All right, uh, so question two, what's your favorite meal? Um, could be to prepare and cook yourself, could be for friends and family, or something you just like eating. Don't feel any pressure here too. I've had people on the show who are like, you know, professional pastry chefs, and they're talking about this crazy like souffle thing they made. And then I've had other people who are like, yeah, man, I, I just make some pretty banging chicken nuggets. <laughs> So you know what? Uh, and there's space for all of that. Uh, I will say yes. um, that uh, one thing that has definitely um, both inspired and got and helped entertain uh, through this last year, I don't know where I would have been without, um, you know, 10 plus seasons of Top Chef. Uh, <laughs> so uh, shout out Padma Lakshmi uh, and Tom Colicchio. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, huge fan. Uh, and I, well, I can't contribute to anything in a professional culinary level, uh, 
please uh i i'd honestly at this point just come and watch the show or just like let me let me be like backstage and watch you guys do an episode because they also from a creative standpoint and this is what we talk about it all filters yeah. back where the parallels and the way they're talking about food it's like it's all balance it's all balance baby like and yeah. i'm like oh man i'm like I can totally see where I went wrong with this song yesterday. Like, you know, um, or it's like, man, that's why this mix isn't coming together. Obviously there's too much salt. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, and I love those. Um, and so I think that's also why it's like, I obviously huge food guy. Uh, one of our band, uh, pillars is the food alone is worth the trip. So, uh, even if the show's bad, <laughs> maybe the food's good and salvages the day. Um, but, uh, uh, so that uh, got me really into it, but, and they make some pretty extreme high level stuff. But the biggest thing that I feel like they keep coming back to is, you know, put yourself on the plate, right? Show who you are as a chef. And that's why I love it because the people that thrive on that show are the ones that truly understand and find out and are like you'll see some you know some some of them falter like early on and do really come up on the bottom and you're just like you know this guy's talented you know she's like this badass chef that has so much skill but she keeps just they're like overthinking it and then the mm -hmm. second tom says what do you want to cook cook what you want to cook they're like are you sure he's like yes and then the next one they're just like instantly like ding 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 number one this is the best thing we've had all season you know what i mean like um and i love that moment so uh for me uh, when it comes to cooking i will say um our like traditional like probably at least once a week or every two weeks we make um at home and or order from you know one of our favorite spots uh here in philly uh a pretty amazing like thai curry dish like tofu curry um rotate from everything i i when we make it i love making a green curry um that's probably my favorite um but the spot that we go to has an incredible pumpkin curry dish that is um so good uh but um so that it really like has a place and we call it <laughs> i mean realistically like not not many hangovers at this point but like uh like sunday hungover tie everybody has that sunday mindset right you know it's like if yeah. it's been a crazy weekend you've been out doing a lot or you know depending on where you were or pre-pandemic maybe out uh you know hanging out and socializing we'll say until you know all hours of the night you have that like sunday and for us it's like making that that sunday like tie or ordering out and and treating you know to our favorite spot so uh i love that and that's all that's always pretty top of mind but again there's so much good like italian uh stuff for that i grew up on as well of course. uh i mean straight up like i will say when i was a kid i was obsessed with something it's effectively like an italianized like multiple she my grandmother would make this thing called macaroni and peas it's just mac and cheese but she'd put peas in it and like three different kinds of cheese it was macaroni and cheese and i still to this i will remember that until the day i die right because she yeah. knew when she would come over and she would just be like manja manja you got to eat more like you know um <laughs> which um you know shout out childhood obesity that was definitely you know not casting blame but i never went unfed let's say that when i when i visited grandma but like 
um so that so th there's both of it where it's like one's a little bit more complex flavor palette the other is more or less just noodles and cheese uh right, right. um and they both have a, yeah they both have a serious place in my heart and i think they kind of show the spectrum of where you know uh, yeah right yeah well that's how, you know that's why one of the reasons why i asked that question is number one it paints a better picture for listeners to kind of see like you know who the who the person is who the guest is on a on a real level but number two you know my belief is that uh, food and, and the culinary arts are are as creative as anything else as as music as as writing as comedy like you what like you said like on that on that show on top chef like you put yourself on the plate you know of course there's times where you have to kind of like rush through and you're you're not really eating the best meal you could or sitting down to make time for the best meal you could but there are those moments where you have like the dish right like the thing that like makes it you know i have to is that pump the pumpkin i've never heard of the pumpkin curry is that local around here is that in philly where is that uh so the spot that we go to we uh is called circles tie it's in northern liberties um but uh i've seen it a couple other places but that i initially i thought it was like it was like a seasonal like fall thing i think it just like stayed on their menu now because everybody was like this is incredible um yeah right. so it's uh it's so good i highly recommend if you if you come through or if you see a pumpkin curry somewhere on the menu get it because sure, right. they know what they're doing yeah it's it's good is it i i'll have to ask there's a thai place around me around the corner over here in asbury park i'll have to ask see if they do the pumpkin thing i haven't seen if it they do. or maybe if they don't tell them hey give it a shot <laughs> you know yeah We'll try it out. Yeah. All right. Uh, so third question, uh, don't feel like you have to go profound with this. You're welcome to if you want to. But what's one life lesson you want to pass on to listeners today? It can be from the convo. It can be something else you've been thinking about lately or live your life by. But like one piece of advice you really want them to walk away with today. Right. So I think I love what we really spent a lot of time on talking about making mistakes and finding places where you can make mistakes. Cause that's, you know, growth is not a comfortable state to be in. Um, even if it's like, if you go to the gym, you're going to be sore the next day, but that's an indicator that you're growing, right? That's an indicator that you've stretched your muscles to their full capacity and physical things. So looking for things like that, um, you know, the, the, I guess the cliche, like the pain is gain, you know, gain, you know, no pain, no yeah. gain kind of thing. Um, but uh, I, so I, I think that's in and, in and of itself, it's probably like a, a good enough one to leave there. But I think I will um, go beyond that and say one other thing, just because we started this, uh, started this conversation talking about uh, creativity in a large group um, and having, you know, being uh, involved as one sixth of a, you know, a greater sum, you know, with wonder years and a band with a, with a lot of people in it. I think it's taught me something that, uh, I think truthfully I was looking for, for a while, um, you know, and in, in a weird way, um, you know, gave me some pause throughout like the middle point of our career in twenties where, um, I came out and was like, man, we're having like really, really awesome success. A lot of stuff is, is happening for the band. It, it's coming together. We're growing, but at the same time, it can be really daunting to be one sixth of something and, uh, be unsure of what your individual 
capacity or contribution can be or or how much is there so it, it can be like a am i really you know it, it almost a different sort of imposter syndrome where it's just like yeah you're in a successful band you know and and things are going well um you know, you want to believe your own hype that you're a part of that success. But then I think at the other times, it's very easy to question, hey, as an individual, you know, what, like, am I that good? And what can I contribute? Right. And I think I grappled that with a lot. And then, you know, for years started trying to like, think about, well, I got to be able to prove that I can like do something on my own or, you know, like finish something on my own. And now I, I kind of am very luckily to report in a place that I realize I more so than ever am quick to go ask for help or feedback or find another person to pull into a project um because i realized that i, I think i do function better in that dynamic you know um and learning how to utilize that so I, I guess the overarching thing would be don't try to go at it alone just to prove to yourself that you can do it alone because the results might be so much better and you might get there in such an you might take away a lot of the barriers and a lot of the restrictor plates on yourself if you just open yourself up to asking for help um, instead of trying to make everything that you're doing, you know, self-proof that you can do it alone. Because, you know, what are you really proving? Um, you know, it, it's it's the ego getting in the way, I think. And, um, you know, that you just want to be able to prove you can do it just to say you can do it by yourself. But what's more important that or the, what you're trying to create and, and bring into the world. Right. So I think don't, don't, uh, don't think you have to do it alone is, is the big thing for that. I, that I have come to, you know, think about and, and really try to distance myself from in everything I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. Is that, you know, that that's a very fine, fine line to walk is like knowing when you're just inflating your ego versus knowing when, you know, you're actually better than you think you are like trying to trying to balance imposter syndrome with like overhype right like there's it's a fine line to walk and i feel like you said it best you, you gotta you have to learn how to ask people you gotta look for feedback uh look for help ask questions and constantly have that growth mindset and that's ultimately that's how people improve and ironically enough when you get to that point that's when you realize like you're 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 never going to be done learning you're you're always going right. to keep getting better in some regard whether it's in cooking, music, writing, podcasting, whatever it is, like you have some sort of element to keep you going. There's always going to be that next obstacle. And as long as you're recognizing that this thing is the next thing you got to climb, the next mountain you got to overcome, like that's, that's when you realize like, okay, this is a process and it's going to take, it's going to take my whole life, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, no, so true. And you could, you could tackle, I mean, anything with that attitude whether it's art or business, whatever. So, um, Casey, man, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time. I'm super grateful for that. I know you're a busy dude. So I extremely, extremely appreciate the time. Um, when's a new, I'm going to try and get a little, uh, betterism exclusive here. When's a new record coming up? Uh, well, timeline? no, no timeline yet. Still, uh, still writing. Um, but, uh, we're starting to, to kind of round some corners on the schedule. It's going to be a busy year, um, 
for not only the band but everybody personally in the band and uh exciting stuff um even as you've started to see both uh for myself like rolling out some some other things and a lot of cool projects but uh no uh no hard and fast release timeline uh but there are other things in the works that will maybe see uh see the light of day much sooner than a record as well so that's a little nugget of an exclusive um and (laughs) for uh the better uh folk any of whom might be familiar with wonder years or curious but uh that's all i'll say on that uh for now <laughs> but um that stuff is in the works and i think it'll be really exciting and involve some cool collaborations and and concepts so uh excited about that and excited to continue uh progressing that and you know evolving the band through those projects yeah i look forward to it man you guys are you know obviously you're all out of your 20s now so you got you know, family, side businesses, things like that starting to pop up. So it's fun. I don't, I don't want to say funny because that's the wrong word. It's, uh, it's entertaining to watch bands go through that process, right? Because there's, there's a point like where a band is, you know, you're a bunch of kids hanging out and you have all the time in the world. You can play shows, you can go on the road and stuff. And then all of a sudden you blink your eyes, you guys have kids, you know, families and stuff. And you got to balance that with the career. You know, um, I think the bands that withstand the test of time are the ones that have the attitude that you guys have. So I look forward to seeing where you guys go with this um, as, as a longtime fan and as just somebody who enjoys the learning process. I think recognizing that in other people is something that I just find so fascinating, um, regardless of their art, whether it's music, podcasting, cooking, whatever, you know, yeah. so I look forward to it, man. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, us too. Uh, we we honestly, sometimes we don't even know where it's going to end up. You know what I mean? Um, so, right, exactly. So we're we're in it right now, and we're enjoying it uh, as much as we can. So uh, very thankful to be able to do so. But yeah, thanks for having me on the show. This uh, this was a blast. Any chance I get to talk about, uh, you know, kind of doing better work and and evolving the self uh, i'm all here for it so i love what you uh what you're doing that's awesome i really appreciate it yeah thanks man uh where can listeners find you online if they want to check out music if they don't know you guys already um or you specifically with your studio and the podcast where can they contact find out right more? Um, so yeah, the band's called the wonder years, uh, website, wonder years, the wonder years band.com, uh, or, you know, obviously any, any music streaming service or YouTube, whatever, um, uh, have a blast at that. Uh, we're out there, um, check us out. It's maybe not for everybody, but we like what we do. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and as far as um, everything else on, on the studio end of it, uh, and individually, uh, you can check out if you're local and you know like in jersey philly um whatever the studio is actually in blackwood new jersey uh, our spot's called true level studio um but also like i mentioned and do a lot of uh remote um whether it's uh like artist coaching um mentoring or even i i've been starting to take on some production projects remotely so um for that kind of stuff you can um either check out my website which is just caseycavalier.com or uh i'm probably most present on instagram which is case underscore rock and the studio is at tree level studio 
on Instagram. And yes, the new podcast that we have just launched uh, is called The Record Process. And you can find that uh, both, well, I guess wherever podcasts are consumed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you prefer, um, or many others, which I'm sure I'm leaving out of. There are so many as I'm learning so <laughs> every day. Um, but uh, wherever you get your podcast, we hope uh, it shows up. And if it's not, let me know and we'll fix it. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, or just follow us on you know with that at the record process on Instagram as well. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out about studio related stuff, uh, the true level studio at gmail.com is a direct line to us, uh, in, in terms of any studio or podcast inquiries. So, yeah, um, that should probably do it. All right, man, it's been real talking to you. Uh, we'll have to connect again soon, you know. I, I again, we're both busy adults with lots of stuff going on teacher life, especially is crushing me, but right. <laughs> we'll have to connect again soon. Talk some more of uh, the backend stuff with the podcasting um, yeah. engineering and that kind of stuff, especially once I get my studio set up here in the new house. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let, and let me know and don't be a stranger. Feel free to reach out uh, if you have any questions in the meantime, like, uh, like I've said, we've done a lot of like home studio setup uh, consultation stuff. And that's honestly where some of the coaching stuff came into play and just getting like maximum efficiency out of whatever, you, you know, spot you have to work with. Um, yeah, so, yeah uh, for sure. Yeah. If you have any questions or, you know, we'll uh, we'll definitely chat more uh, whenever. But yeah, this was uh, this was cool. It was uh, it was good to meet you, man. Yeah, man. Good to meet you, too. Cool. That, I'll, uh, it's the name, too. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I'll send here as soon as this is done saving. I'll pop this over in a WeTransfer. You'll just you'll have all the audio uh, and the video all in a folder. So, uh, but if you need anything else, let me know. Sounds good, man. Cool. All Appreciate right. your time. Absolutely. You well. You as well. See it later. Well, that's it, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning. <laughs>